Hey everybody, this is Daniel Patrick. This is episode number 43 of the Mandolins of Beer podcast, brought to you in part by my favorite website, the Mandolin Cafe. Hope everybody's doing well out there. I'm real excited this week again. We have another track by a killer mandolin player being debuted on the podcast. This week it is Nate Lee. The name of the song is Rook Roller. He's got an incredible new album coming out here in June called Wings of a Jetliner, and he's going to be on in a few weeks to actually talk about himself and this brand new album. And it's it is excellent. I've had a had a copy of it thanks to Nate and his, his super nice publicist, and um, I've been enjoying it. You're going to enjoy this track, so it's at the very back end of the podcast. Um, I want to thank everybody for all the support, all the patrons. Thank you so much. Um, I've got a, a Patreon video going up. Uh, one of the things that actually we talk about here with Jared on this episode is his 10 minutes a day. And um, the uh, idea for that is actually on there with a version of June Apple. I don't want to say what it is yet because I don't want to spoil the, the 10 minutes a day thing. But if you go to my Patreon, there's a thing there uh, showing how to do that. And then I'm also going to add a lesson about how he talks about a scale exercise he does when he warms up. And that's all on my Patreon. And again, you get the videos and the tabs for those things. For eight, It's eight bucks a month and it supports the podcast. And uh, if you just want to support the podcast, you can also just do one for four dollars a month. So. Check that out. Um, again, that's pretty much it. Oh, I do want to point out, um, I've gotten a couple emails in like the last week, and for some reason, a batch of stickers that I mailed out in the last month or so, maybe a little bit more than a month ago, it doesn't look like all of them have gotten to people. So if you ordered stickers and have not received them, shoot me an email via my website or, you know, which is... Uh, mandolinsbeer.com or you can hit me at danielpatrickmusic at yahoo.com and let me know if you haven't received them and I will get them out in the mail immediately. I'm not sure what happened. Those shirts and hats and all those good things, I've made it all, but uh, for some reason stickers, the stamped items have not. So I apologize if that's the case, but if it has happened, please just shoot me a message and I will get them out stat. All right, everybody, let's get into the podcast with Jared. Be sure again to stick around for the song by Nate Lee at the end, and uh, I'll talk to you all soon. Cheers, everybody. Known to have me a party at the station. Ain't that good news? All right, now I'd like to welcome to the podcast, Jared Poole. Jared, how you doing? Doing great, man. How are you? I'm doing good. Thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. Yeah. So we were talking a little bit beforehand, and again, uh, like like many of the players that I've talked to in the in the past few weeks or past few months now, I guess now, how it, it, you've been affected by the pandemic, and how is life looking for you during these times? Life has been, uh, it's been cool, man. Uh, it, took a took a minute to kind of get adjusted to the reality of just kind of a a lot of fun sounding gigs you know we have the charleston bluegrass festival and um winter wondergrass out in uh tahoe that were kind of like you know canceled right before we were supposed to leave for them but then it all kind of settled in i've been doing some online lessons and uh kind of getting back to some construction day routes and uh doing some tile work with the friend and you know, just getting by pretty well, man. That's great. And if people want to take yeah. lessons from you, uh, what's the best way for them to find you? Do you have a website or do you have a particular way they can get a hold of you? Yeah, the the, the website's kind of a Facebook page. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, Jared Pool Music. 
you can find you can find me on Facebook too and just send me a message. I'm awesome. you know, pretty much on there, you know, every now and then. <laughs> and and you're from the Virginia area? Yes, sir. And so we were just talking also about that uh Jack Dunlap who was just on here two weeks ago. Uh you love you know Jack J- Dunlap. <laughs> yeah. And uh and Danny Nicely, you know him as well? Love Danny Nicely. <laughs> so great, man. And um you're actually working yeah. with a gospel band out of the same the same um, way kind of that Jack and Danny put out one of their albums you were you were mentioning. Yeah, I um, I guess John Loman, the director of the program, um, kind of hooked up uh, the Ingramets up with this festival gig in Watermelon Park, Virginia, or, or Watermelon Park Festival in Berryville, Virginia. And we saw the Ingramets, and they just kind of made everybody cry and blew our minds. And uh, through John, I guess I started playing some guitar with them, and we did a CD last year that was released, and um, we'll, we'll be doing a, a project, for the, like a live concert for the U.S. State Department um, in a few weeks here. So looking forward to that. That's so cool, man. Um, yeah. That'll be my first, like, socially distant kind of concert, so that'll be fun, too. So uh, how did you, uh, you find yourself playing a mandolin? Uh there you know there's a no shortage of guitar players um (laughs) and uh i guess kind of somewhere along the way you know going to the kind of spending a lot of summers at the different festivals just kind of instrument swapping and um you know uh kind of was fun playing a mandolin and then somehow got my hands on one and just kind of played it on the side and graduated with a jazz guitar degree and then pretty much got hired as a mandolin player by a band called the Whiskey Rebellion out of Richmond. Uh, <laughs> on the spot, so, uh, you know, used to be a guitar player, sort of, and kind of been back and forth with it, you know, through the years of different bands I've played in, going back and forth between mandolin and guitar. But yeah, just kind of, just kind of happened. I don't know. Was it like bluegrass festivals that you were going to when you were when you were playing guitar? And some yeah, of those yeah, it was um, probably the most, um, you know, couple of the most important ones were the was the Galax Music Festival or Bluegrass or Fiddler's Convention. Yeah. Galax Fiddler's Convention. And the um there's one uh Mari River Fiddler's Convention as well that's kinda close in Lexington, Virginia area. Which is where I kinda met um Larry Keel and Will Lee and Danny Nicely and all those guys for the first time. No kidding. Yeah. Who were some of the uh who were some of the albums that you were listening to and starting to try to learn licks from and tunes from? Um, I, there was one year, I remember I came away from the, from the festival at Galax. Um, my dad used to always send me as a kid and, uh, I think we got a, a Brian Sutton CD. At-
Doc Watson, Doc and Earl Watson, CD called Watson Country, and then uh, Working Man's Dead. I think I was about 12 or 13 years old. Oh, yeah. Nice. Uh, yeah. So that was, uh, um, those were kind of the early on records I was listening to, and then got turned on to McGraw Gap, which was, you know, Danny Will and Larry and um, John Flower. And then that was kind of like, kind of didn't want to spend as much time with traditional bluegrass. And listening to the uh, the latest Larry Keel album, there are some awesome moments of uh, traditional style music, but then just some awesome space out kind of moments, which made me think you must have some some roots also outside of <laughs> outside of traditional bluegrass. <laughs> yeah, uh, but you know, um, hopefully, you know, always very much rooted somewhere in it. Oh, but, sure, um, for sure. As a you know, there's the just the springboard to to other places that I think Larry's very uh, encouraging to explore <laughs> <laughs> a lot of times. Where'd you, um, where'd you go to school at for music? I went to uh, Christopher Newport University um, down in uh, Newport News, Virginia. And is that where you met the, uh, the uh, Whiskey Rebellion folks? They're not. I actually met all those guys at, at the Mar River. Oh, uh, really? Convention. Yeah, and then the fiddle player's named Mary Simpson, and um, she's been spending the past like you know several years playing uh, on world tours with Yanni. So she's <laughs> she's a she's like a Russian fiddle player that you know I probably met her when I was about thirteen or fourteen. You know, uh, at these festivals, so it's cool to see her like crushing it elsewhere. <laughs> now, were you were you? still like working on mandolin stuff kind of when you were going to school for the jazz stuff or were you focused mainly on just guitar? Um, that was, it was kind of creeping in, I guess, like toward my last year or so of college, I was kind of bringing the mandolin around a little more to kind of figure it out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, um, you know, while while I was trying to figure out the guitar as well. Um, (laughs) yeah, man. Um, so I guess about 20, 21 years old when I kind of started tackling it a little seriously. Yeah. And what did, what does, uh, when, when you say, you know, take it a little bit more seriously, what did that kind of look like as far as like woodshedding and different things like that for you? Um, kind of, as, as you're kind of expanding like your chord voicing knowledge mm-hmm. to, to kind of, understand it more as almost in a sense of like the, the musical numbering system. So if you're holding a major chord, you're going to hold some combination of the one, three and the five. So if you can, you can fully understand what you're holding down in each voice and then you can man- manipulate it to fit whatever other chord or kind of voicing you're, you're wanting. Um, so if you want to add a, a nine or a, or a seven or something, you, you know, which way to, to grab it. Um, so it's just kind of, you know, trying to really figure out the, I guess, the intervallic um, structure of the instrument. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just, you know, really nerding out 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, I love it. Yeah. And then, you know, looking at, you know, different, um, definitely looking at the different right hand techniques. I feel like I have a different approach to guitar than mandolin, which may or may, or may not be right. I don't really know. <laughs> but it's what happens. Right, right. <laughs> uh, Did you have any uh, jazz, yeah. jazz mandolin players that you, uh, that you were listening to or any jazz mandolin sort of CDs also? Because you definitely have some sort of a, like a jazzy feel in some of your stuff, I think. Yeah, I think it was, uh, I think coming to the mandolin, you know, kind of later in the game mm-hmm. for me, um, c- c- you know, compared to the guitar, um, which I played primarily, um, I didn't really do the whole traditional, you know, go through the, you know, all the old traditional breaks. I just kind of started trying to do what, you know, some of the people around me were doing, like Danny and, you know, Danny Nicely and Jack Dunlap and just kind of watching them like, you know, skip a whole lot of steps or, um, but, um, man, my favorite mandolin players are all, is people like, you know, obviously Danny, um, Matt Wendy. Oh, good, man. Sam Bush. Um, so, and it's just like those those guys could just kind of really kind of on top of the beat sense of rhythm that really, you know, really drives, you know, the, you know, the, the band while just explosive, you know, you know, melody lines that are just like, right. you know, that outer yeah. space kind of stuff that <laughs> I can kind of, kind of like. Um, Matt Monday, whole. Yeah, I was watching some of the, some old Colonel Bruce and ARU recording, on YouTube this morning. Unbelievable. It was amazing. <laughs> so, what was it like, um, touring around then in a bluegrass band after going to school for, for jazz and like what were some of the differences that you were finding in the circles of people or, even just just all around mentality of the playing. Um. The the band the Whiskey Rebellion that um, I joined after college was you know fairly uh, progressive and you know, everything, um, so you could kind of stretch over that and still get you know you can get weird and have a good time and not get any dirty looks. So <laughs> luckily, I, I didn't spend too much time in a traditional bluegrass band. Um, and then after the after the Whiskey Rebellion, joined a band called the Woodshedders. And that one kind of grew out of like a, you know, gypsy jazz, you know, early roots rock kind of, kind of vibe. So we played a lot of jazz in that. So that was, you know, that was easy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, And then I started um, kind of, kind of wanting to stay around Richmond more and joined a band called Jackass Flats. 
and um, started kind of playing Telecaster with them, you know, more and more. Oh, no kidding. So, so that that was kind of like a honky tonk party grass. Um, had you know a keyboard and pedal steel and a banjo and drum. Oh, cool! Electric bass if we wanted it. So it's pretty pretty wide open machine. <laughs> and uh, you know we we get Jay Starling um, would come and play with us every now and then, and then it would just be a big old force to be reckoned with. Um, <laughs> you know, really just height wise because Jay's pretty tiny. <laughs> um. um and then we got the call from Larry. So, you know, it was uh, definitely always in a lot of bands where, you know, you could always kind of stretch and scratch that, scratch that um, creative itch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What's, what's that? How long have you been playing with Larry now? Um, it'll not, well, it'll be four years of uh, July. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. And you guys, you guys cover a lot of uh, travel in that band, it seems like. You guys are... Road Warriors. Yeah, man, we get from A to B pretty quick, <laughs> or, or 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 not so quick, depending on how you look at it. But um, yeah, that they're, they're, uh, they're um, Larry and Jenny and our road manager and sound guy and all have been doing this all together for a long time. So it's a really well-oiled machine, and um, everyone stays on an even keel. <laughs> for the most part, uh, you know. And, you know, it's no good know to, or good knowing when to do your work and when you can kind of let your hair down a little bit. Sure. I'd say we strike a good balance, but. <laughs> <laughs> how'd you, uh, how'd you meet Larry? How'd that call come about? Uh, I think it was the, uh, the Mari River Bluegrass Festival or, or Fiddler's Convention. Keep on getting that mixed up. <laughs> um, but there's, uh, you know, there's just uh, this group of guys there um, that all camped together. You know, Will Lee was definitely around, and Larry's band at the time. Uh, I think uh, it was definitely Mark Shimmick was still in the band, and um, Jason Flournoy or Andy Thorne. I can't quite remember which one of them was there back then. But old school, and Rooster Rooley, who was this legendary Virginia banjo player, um, he's been passed, unfortunately, and some of these other just kind of put your head down and play loud and fast and hard and mm-hmm. drink some yeah. something out of a jar and get on with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so met him through, you know, through, um, environments like that. And then just through the, uh, you know, festivals we played and when he would come around Virginia beach or Hampton area where I was from, you know, I'd show through the shows with X's on and chat with them. And he's, he's always been cool, man. And just called me one day and the next day I was on the road to Ohio with him. Holy cow. No kidding. Yeah. It was pretty quick. Happened pretty quick. <laughs> yeah. So you didn't, not a lot of time for uh prep work. <laughs> nah, not much, man. Uh, he, he sent me like some, a uh, couple songs like in an email. About it. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's your uh, when you're when you're preparing to play the the gigs? What's your kind of mindset? Because the the live the live shows I've only seen Larry once or twice before. Live shows again they can vary from really really pretty stuff to some high energy 
uh, bluegrass to uh, just just some out there spacey sort of jams. And so, what do you do to prep for stuff like that? Well, um, we definitely always pick a little bit before, um, you know, at least it will get to the gig like an hour and a half before the set and, um, spend about, you know, 30, 45 minutes playing, maybe play a little bit more. If it sounds really good, um, then we don't really play too much, (laughs) 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 which, uh, I think comes from, uh, Larry toured with, um, or had Tony Rice tour with him for a while. Um, and, uh, I guess they'd be warming up and, you know, they pretty much just, you know, whatever Tony said went, obviously. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, so, you know, they'd be playing a song and it would sound really, you know, sound really good. And Tony would say something like, you know, oh, well, let's stop right there. We don't want to fuck it up later. (laughs) 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 So, uh. But um, mainly we'll just kind of, we'll we'll go through and just start a lot of the songs at, at a tempo that we all kind of are thinking is is going to shape the the trajectory of the set. Larry's got a good way of um reading the reading the crowd, oftentimes calling audibles. So I, most of the times I spend the time writing the set list, knowing that it's probably going to be you know slightly manipulated and maybe just hack to hell. Who knows? But um, <laughs> uh. To speak on what, what the the set, usually it's um I just kind of look at it as you have to always remain calm amidst the chaos because sometimes I'm not exactly sure what Larry's going to do. <laughs> um, this is after four years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know now that, you know, I, I'm, I, mean, I can follow him on, you know, pretty much anything, I, you know, and we'll, we'll, we'll stay, we'll stay together. But, um, you know, you just have to, it's a lot of give and take and understand and kind of what space to fill when and when to lay back and when to kind of expand. And, you know, I think there's a, there's a good Bruce Lee quote about it, but I can't quite recall right now, but somewhere in the end of the dragon, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Something about like when, when my enemy expands, I contract, when he contracts, I expect. It's kind of, kind of one of those kind of things. Yeah. Well, I think that's good. Not for... that we're enemies. No, you know? no, of course. <laughs> you must've had some pretty sweet, uh, jam sessions i'm guessing uh do you have any really cool ones that might stand out picking with some people that uh you know kind of bigger in this world that that you see at festivals and such um yeah the there's two that kind of stand out within the past year um so on my on my birthday last year we were um playing gray fox um in new york and uh got to be a part of the Grateful Ball uh, with oh, the Travel McCurries. Wow! So, which, which is just a trip to be up up there with all of them anyway, since you know, been idolizing them for you know many many years. <laughs> so, uh, right before we were going to kick off Friend of the Devil, uh, Ronnie just you know leans to me and just goes, "Hey, Jared, just let's just just play it with me." <laughs> so we, it was just like just one of those unprepared, you know, just mandolin duets with you know ronnie mccurry awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, and another one was this past summer um at the grand target with that festival we got to play with uh or we got to do a little mandolin kind of tribute song set to uh jeff austin um and got to do that with sam bush and john skian from railroad earth oh wow so that was a pretty pretty like one emotional and then just kind of the the stage and the setting itself was just you know, 
really just beautiful. Um, so it, it, it's been, you know, the it's been a trip these past couple of years for sure. Yeah, that's great, man. Definitely, definitely, definitely bucket list things that I didn't even know were bucket list. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Sam and Ronnie, good lord, man. Make make my hands yeah. sweat just thinking about it. <laughs> Me too, man. And it's already happened and I'm still nervous about it. Yeah, that's so cool. <laughs> what uh what do you, what, do you remember what tunes or uh what tunes stood out with you playing with Sam and and uh that night? Um I know one of the ones we did was um Red-haired boy cuz I think that was one Jeff played a lot. Cool. Um yeah. Did you know Jeff pretty well? We had we had got to spend um a good bit of time together last last spring, believe it or not. Um we were all I think we were all on the same agency at the time together and uh I think we had we had basically six weekends in a row where we were kind of on the same bill. Um a lot of it was the the Larry Kill experience, Jeff Austin band and the John Stick the Trio. So we were just kind of just like this little unit that, you know, whether it was festivals or whether we kind of did a couple, you know, little short runs through the weekend. Um, but yeah, man, um, got, got pretty tight with all those guys. Um, you know, super sad. Yeah. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah. Uh, so is that how you, uh, met Kyle Tuttle? Yeah, that, that wasn't how I met. I, um, I met Kyle probably 10 years ago. He was traveling, at the time with this band called river wheel, um, which was a band that was, um, it was Kyle Tuttle on banjo and, uh, Oliver Craven. Um, he lives in Nashville now too. He's a great singer songwriter. And, um, Nick D. Seba- Nick D. Sebastian on guitar and Charlie, um, on bass, which Char- Charlie and uh, Oliver used to be the stray birds or, oh, okay. were in that band. Um, and, so I met Kyle way back when I, I was playing some with Oliver when he would kind of come to town to Virginia and play with me and Jay Starling a bunch. Um, and then, yeah, I just kind of reconnected with Kyle um, as we were kind of doing more dates with the Jeff Austin band. And, uh, you know, we've kind of had the idea of a project with old Adam Gruel of horseshoes and hand grenades and, that was kind of the, the my last musical outing was with uh, Cuddle Pool and Gruel. We got to spend some time out in the Midwest and had a had a big old time before all this uh, shut shut the shut the music industry down. <laughs> yeah, I, I um, somebody that lives in Charleston that like Facebook friends with or whatever. Not really, don't really know them, but. They posted like ah oh, in Idaho or somewhere. I could be wrong at Idaho, but there was the, yeah. And it or was, I- Iowa. Iowa. That's maybe. it, Iowa. Yeah, and she yeah. Had, she was, like, posting, like, video of us band standing in a circle of lights, like, on the floor. Like, hey, man, I think that's Kyle Tuttle and Jared Poole. <laughs> yeah, it, it, we had, like, the the first three nights of that tour were, like, the first, uh, the most different gigs you could play. I think the, the first night was, like, a listening room at a college theater in Carbondale, Illinois. Mm-hmm. Um, the second night was at, like, a raging like kind of new orleans style oyster bar in uh st louis <laughs> and uh, the third night was like a house house show in uh iowa <laughs> like, like all right man we can 
it's a lot of different speeds there. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> it's funny though because I when um when I see those names when your your two names together, I'm like, well, that seems like the perfect mix of <laughs> of musicians yeah. to play with because um he like I think like I think of you has that that traditional stuff, but then also um just some wild playing as well, you know, really getting out there. Yeah, and it was it was super. I know it was probably feeling for us all to have, uh, we got to bring Kyle out, you know, this past summer, um, after Jeff passed to, uh, kind of round out our band. And we were, we were kind of doing a lot of the fill in festival dates for Jeff as well. So it was great, great having Kyle along with us for those. And, um, just in general, it was really cool. Is it is there yeah. much different preparation between going on the road and doing stuff with him as there is to Larry, or is it similar? Um, very, very similar. It was uh, we had all kind of Adam, uh, Gruel, and uh, Kyle and I had kind of emailed each other and sent each other a couple song ideas, and then I think the first time we ever played together was like sound check for the for the first show. <laughs> <laughs> And it went great, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> well, guess like, the, the cool thing about I think you know the 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 basis of some of this music is that if all else failed, there's probably a hundred tunes you guys could have made it through that night. Oh yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. And you know, by the end of the Adam had written some really and, and Kyle too had written some great songs, and you know, I'm still missing those playing those right now. Those were it was, it was really fun just putting together a you know, arrangements and harmonies and stuff on the spot and making it happen, man. It was fun. Who are some of the, uh, who are some of the players that you think if you were to meld some of the, uh, people who influenced your style, who would you think that, uh, kind of helped shape that? Um, you know, for sure, uh, you know, the McGraw Bagat boys with, you know, Larry and Danny and Will, that, that was, that was really a bluegrass album that just blew my mind. Um, as a kid and then uh you know love jimmy herring and matt mundy mm -hmm. sam bush um trying to think of some other kind of outside the genre stuff uh annie gatton you know roy buchanan Steve Avon, um jimmy hendrix you know huge hendrix fan as a kid yeah man me too still to this day his that guy's yeah. just his chords and his sense of uh song arrangements are incredible yeah. man yeah and just the, the the textures and soundscapes that you could create with all of it you know that were created in some of his work are just still blows your mind yeah sure one of the things i really like about uh you're playing on that last larry album too is uh you got really great tremolo real steady uh melodic is that something you uh sat down and worked on technique wise um definitely like spent a lot of time just kind of trying to get the right hand under control and um trying to get out a lot of the you know whatever motion doesn't need to be in there just because ain't, ain't nobody got time for that you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, but um with 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 that it's just i think um with some of these songs that were on the uh the the one record we did uh you know a little little slower and I was taking one of the you know you know one of the earlier solos in the song I didn't want to be too notey that way you had a good 
So uh, just try, trying to play you know, something nice and melodic and... could think about shape more than anything, I guess, than anything specific. Mm-hmm. Mark Mark Shimmick had a really good uh, tremolo quote. I remember he, he said this years and years ago. Probably doesn't even remember saying this, but he was like, well, I kind of like to just go at a medium speed because, you know, if I want to go fast, then I can. You know, if I want to slow it down, I can do that too. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, man, that's awesome. <laughs> that's, that's great advice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's actually that's kind of a metaphor for life, man. I, I love it. <laughs> no doubt, man. You you yeah. you need to put that on a poster. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's, that's how I drive on the interstate. Man. <laughs> did you uh, did you take any mandolin lessons specifically, or or are you pretty much all self taught? Um, I guess I really haven't taken a specific mandolin lesson. Um. A lot of guitar lessons. Yeah, what are some of the things that you think maybe that you pull over from guitar that possibly somebody who's just done mandolin primarily might not have approached? Or if somebody who plays guitar and is thinking about picking up mandolin, what are some things that you think that, you know, they'd be able to bring over from that world? So I think overall kind of um, uh, definitely posture is a pretty important thing kind Mm -hmm. of. For, for both instruments um you know it, it sure helps to hold it right uh so kind of some things to look for is you know from the left hand is you just kind of hold your you know hold your arms down and then just bend at the elbow and the, the instrument should pretty much come out to meet your your uh your hand out you know so it's almost like you're holding the instrument at a 45 degree angle across your body so you're not pulling your elbow back in a weird way Mm-hmm. Um, and then just trying to keep a, a straight wrist so uh, you're not bending it weird and causing, you know, probably carpal tunnel <laughs> right. prematurely. Yeah. Um, it's, I guess, kind of uh, if you took the instrument away, whichever one it is, would you look natural in how you were holding it or would you look a little awkward? <laughs> that's, that's, a pretty, that's a pretty good barometer. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, and then um, uh, I will say the, Mandolin was cool because you realize the whole, you know, all the the string patterns all symmetrical, so it's in you know fifths all the way across. So all your scale patterns are, you know, identical. Yeah, I love that. (laughs) Yeah, learning modes was like a whole like a like a whole eye opener from from playing guitar. I'm like, wait a minute, (laughs) you just keep playing these shapes. (laughs) Really pissed me off as a guitar player because you know you spend all you know all day and night trying to accommodate that major third thing that messes the pattern up do you have a specific warm-up that you kind of do before any of your gigs i know you said you play a little bit ahead of time before the show is there anything mando centric that you kind of focus on before playing um a lot of just um a lot of different stuff with the metronome or um 
I've got this other thing called Drum Genius that has like all these different sampled drum loops. Mm-hmm. So it's you know you play a fiddle tune to a disco you know, <laughs> pattern. It's pretty fun, or you know it's a an old jazz ballad like a hip hop you know old Nas drum beat. Uh, <laughs> so just just trying to stay in you know trying to hit which be in control of whatever pocket you want to hit. Yeah. Um, and then scale stuff too. I do. Uh, um, you know, there's one where you can go kind of ascend. Like if you're in C major, if you ascend C to C, mm-hmm. then go up and then get descend from that upper D down to a lower D. Mm-hmm. So what you're doing is kind of working your way through the modes without realizing it. Um, kind of ascending one, descending into the next one, ascending. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, totally. Go up, up C to C, down D to D, up E to E, down F to F, all and st- so on. Yeah, all staying in the C and, major scale. Yeah, and then just kind of, um, you know, sh- shifting wherever you want to and not, you know, being able to, you know, just kind of go wherever you want you want to go. Right, um, right. Do you move that up the neck then? Uh-huh, just kind of random or however you want to, mm-hmm. you know. Cool. You can take a stupid fingering or pick one that might make more sense. <laughs> right. I know a lot of, I know a lot of stupid fingerings. <laughs> yeah, man. And, and, you know, you can, you can stumble onto a lot of cool things doing that too. So that's uh pretty cool too. <laughs> I love like all that nerdy stuff. I love, I love all that. Like, Oh, modes. Yep. Yeah. Generally nerding out, man. We talked about that earlier. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. I'm, that's right. I'm into it. <laughs> Let's nerd out a little bit about gear. What's your uh, what's your main axe? My main axe um, is a beautiful instrument made by Scott Carey in uh, Culpeper, Virginia. Here, I play number fifteen of his. Oh, nice! Uh, and, uh, Jack Dunlap also. Yeah, he's, Jack Dunlap has a has a couple of those, and they are they're awesome, man. Um, could not be happier, and uh, it's just. I wish I knew more about the, you know, the exact specifications of it, but you know, no worries, man. Adirondack top, I don't know. (laughs) It's great. (laughs) I love it. How long you uh, How long you been playing it for? Um, three years or so now, I think. And that's got a that came with a K and K in it that I'm really happy with. Love the K and K. Yeah, and then through the, uh, I guess the, the Grace Design Alex. Which uh, it's tough, man. The you know getting getting good sounds out of the mandolins, you know, uh, um, you know, electronically has been you know not always the easiest thing, especially like on a quick turnover, like on a festival or something like that. Oh yeah. So kind of, I would say you know definitely read the manuals on all this electronic <laughs> stuff. Yeah, I'll tell you what, man. Grace, um, they've really got it. They're they're definitely the go-to. It seems. Uh, right now and it's and not just because the people are playing it but but they are the closest thing i think that you can get to getting any sort of a a real acoustic tone the k and k and the gray stuff is if you gotta plug in they've got all the um they've got a lot of their parameters on all their controls seem to be kind of a little more um friendly to more acoustic instruments than just the guitar (laughs) right right um, I think you have a lot like where the where the notch filter can only go up to uh, 200 all times. Okay, you can't dial out anything above that. That might be problematic because you don't really have to do that on anything but guitar. 
Right, right. But and then the the there's a high pass filter on there that uh, allows you to kind of get rid of all the frequencies that are below the mandolin that don't exist within it, you know, normally. And then you can actually boost the low end that is there, so you're not pushing the wrong kind of air through the speaker. Um, yeah. I don't know, man. You know, nerding on the frequency stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you. Uh, what kind of? Do you have any other pedals that you play through when you're uh, any any cool weird ones? Oh yeah, man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's a, a Pigtronic uh, envelope phaser. Um, that I like a lot. Um, kind of half phaser envelope filter, like that, that Jerry Womp Womp sound. Yeah. And uh, there's also a, a TC electronic pedal I have called the Sub and Up. It's basically just an octave pedal, but it came with this kind of like factory, um, like tone print weird setting on it. And it, it's weird, man. It sound, makes it sound like an organ, kind of real but it kind of detunes it a little bit and makes it sound really weird. What was the name of that pedal again? <laughs> it's the TC Electronic Sub and Up. Huh. Did you use that on did you use that on the one album? Uh, yeah, it's on that the last solo on a little green man. Yeah. And it's funny when, because we did that whole recording, um, that whole album was done live, so there aren't any overdubs on anything. Oh, no way, really? Um, yeah, it was all, we just did it and, you know, just left it as is. Um, so uh, that that uh, that effect kind of starts like, all, there's almost like feedback on the way in, because I guess it picks up some of the, like, kind of movement of my, of the mandolin a little bit, <laughs> so you can kind of hear it creeping in before but it's a it's a real cool pedal, man. It actually, kind of brings out some really cool ideas. Yeah, that's sweet, man. Well, uh, any other ones? Um, you know, big sucker for a good delay. I've I've got a carbon copy that you know, sounds I like pretty well. Um, it's been so long now. Uh, uh, I've been playing and plugged in that I kind of forgot what my pedal board looks like. <laughs> yeah, all this time off, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, man, there's a, there's a whole world out there to explore on that stuff now. Oh, yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> what about, like, strings and picks? Do you have any, uh, that's, that's, this is extra nerdy, but uh, still always intriguing to me. Um, big fan of the, the Foster Bronze, um, EXP did areas. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just I need a coded string, man. Uh, I, I I hate the process of changing strings, and I go through them if they're not coded. It's like it's like one show and done, man. Yeah. And uh, you know, um, 
but love the way the phosphor sounds over the eighty twenty stuff. Mm-hmm. That's great. And then for 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 my particular for the for the carry especially, it's great. Um, and um, I usually I'm usually playing a blue chip pick, but I kind of go back and forth between that and the Wigan. What shape? Um, uh, the whatever the Chris Feely one is, and oh, the, yeah, you know, just kind of the. I like those for mandolin, man. It's, it's weird. And for guitar, I like a teardrop. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. It's really weird. That's awesome. Do you have any other mandolins, or is the carry your, uh, your, number, the, your number one? Man, it's, it's the only thing I've really played. Mm-hmm. Uh, every now and then, I've, I've got a, um, a mandolin that's uh, the Pruka. Oh, um, yeah. Oh, yeah, those are it's, cool, it's man. A, Really great A5 mandolin that I really really like a lot. Um, it's got a more like it's kind of got like a harsher V neck on the back. The carry's kind of got more of a chunkier baseball bat feel that I like. <laughs> but uh, did you commission him to build it when he built it for you, or was it one that he already had made? He had made and always been kind of coveting them. So yeah, <laughs> but it's. He's uh, it's, it's phenomenal mandolin. Yeah, I love. It. And you can hear it on the new Larry, uh, the newest, I should say, Larry Keel album. It's 2019. But any stories oh, from yeah. that, or uh, for, on the recording of that, or anything you want to bring up mandolin wise? That's such a cool album. I'm really surprised to hear that it was completely live. And I don't mean that. And it's just like so rare to hear anything completely live anymore in the world of Pro Tools and easy overdubs. <laughs> so we just kind of set up in one room. Um, and actually kind of just set up like our live rig, like, you know, th- th- pedals and everything. Oh, and then wow. also, and, and have like a small PA kind of going. Oh, no kidding. You know, just, and then had, uh, as far as I know, um, and then uh, we just had instrument mics in front of us that we, you know, that were, you know, good studio quality condensers that, uh, you know, had, you know, gave you the actual sound of the, the, the non-plugged in sound of the instrument. Mm-hmm. You know? Right the authentic acoustic sound um <laughs> and uh yeah we just kind of let her rip so it was cool because we couldn't really hear our effect, super heavily affected guitar stuff we couldn't really hear oh no kidding too much yeah which is you know fun i yeah. hearing that post <laughs> <laughs> yeah the, the the magic afterwards yeah but it was uh and i i think we um we kind of recorded it with the idea in mind that maybe like some of it like would be overdubbed mm-hmm. um or we could maybe go back and punch some stuff but then that just it didn't work out and you couldn't really do it with the way it was kind of recorded so we we let it stood <laughs> well that's cool man oh you mentioned uh you mentioned uh, john stickley earlier he's another uh Great player. I didn't realize he also played mandolin, though. There's a video out there of you guys doing um, uh, Roanoke into EMD. That is pretty sweet out on the YouTubes. Yeah. He's one of those guys that, like, his playing is so – he's such a monster player and, like, an equally nice guy that it just doesn't – it kind of doesn't make sense, but it, then it kind of does. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh, he's just, you know – huge force on the guitar or mandolin and uh the sweetest dude in the world man uh yeah that dude's incredible man uh we're, we're very fortunate we get to for whatever reason uh we get you know on the same bill with them a lot and get to 
travel and see them a lot. And uh, it sure is fun, man. Uh, Lindsay and Hunter, um, Lindsay Pruitt and Hunter Deacon yeah. are equally, you know, as good and as nice. I can't believe how big they sound for three pieces. I played at a festival with them up in Michigan. And yeah. it was uh, the minute they started, it was, my, I was blown away, <laughs> as was everybody oh, yeah. in attendance. <laughs> uh huh. It's just like, oh, holy cow. Well, you can sound like that with those instruments. <laughs> yeah, so. that's right. What are some of the challenges being a mandolin player traveling so much? Um, the, tra- the, the challenge of traveling as a mandolin player is, is trying not to gloat too much when everyone else is like kind of lugging around this heavy Colton guitar case or this bass or like having to like, you know, gate check your stuff. And, you know, all my stuff goes into the overhead bin, no problem. And, you know, it's like, you know, like the the smallest, you know, instrument footprint (laughs) (laughs) out of anybody. Um, But, uh, there's, there's many advantages to traveling with a mandolin, I would say, if you have to do so. Yeah, for sure, man. I've been lucky, knock on wood. Like, I haven't had only once ever did I have anybody kind of say, like, oh, you're probably going to have to check that. And I'm like, ah, it'll fit in the overhead. And they're like, well, I think they're going to make you check it. And here, take this tag. I'm like, all right. And I took the tag and then threw it away. I usually try to get there and just talk to the person at the uh, gate ahead of time, too, and be like, hey, yeah. just a heads up. Is is there any way I can maybe board a little one group earlier if I'm not in a you know if I'm not in a early group just so I can get this on and they're almost always like yeah well, I'll let you know. So. You know, man, I uh, I just usually just board whenever the zones like kind of like I wait for about three or four <laughs> and then just I, I well I'm usually like eight you know because you know that's just my status and. Uh, <laughs> But you know, I just kind of walk through the line and show them my phone, and they don't ever stop me. So I'm nice. just gonna keep on doing that. <laughs> That's good advice for all you mandolin players out there worried about flying. That sounds like real good advice. Yeah, it's like you know, you're you're holding an instrument. You know, the the people that are you know checking your you know ticket aren't re- you know they don't expect much of you anyway. You know? <laughs> right. So, oh, I didn't know. Sorry. Yeah, just just look yeah. sleepy. That, That's usually not a problem for me. Just look real tired when walking yeah. up there, like. Ugh. Yeah, it's usually not a problem for me either, my man. Uh, you know, whether I am or I'm not, um, <laughs> that's great. I miss it. <laughs> well, two more questions for you here, Jared, and then sure. uh, let you carry on with your day. And the first one I always like to ask, uh, I have a lot of people of all uh, ranges of playing style listen to the podcast, and one of the most popular questions is if you had 10 minutes a day to work on something to try and get better. Maybe it's just for the week. What's something that you would recommend somebody trying to focus on if they were just want any random thing that you would maybe even work on that you think would help somebody get better? Um, learn a, a familiar tune in a different key or without open strings. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. It's a yeah. mind bender. <laughs> or, or, or put it in, a, you know, you can... Put it in like in you know, a parallel major or minor keys, uh, like whiskey before breakfast and like D harmonic minor is awesome. Really? But yeah, but Jerusalem raised in A major like sucks. <laughs> <It's awful>. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's fun to hear it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just wild. Jerusalem Ridge is such a great melody that playing in the major is just horribly disappointing to hear, man. It really is. 
that'd be another thing to put on a poster. Jerusalem Bridge in A major sucks. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Just just because you can doesn't mean you should or something. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Do you have a uh, favorite fiddle tune that you uh that you've been playing lately? Um man, lately. I was thinking on uh, New Camp Town Races this morning. Oh, I love that tune, man. Yeah. yeah B flat doesn't get a lot of love on the band. Board. No, yeah. it doesn't. Yeah. Or if you're a guitar player, you know, just G. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're getting your capo out? Get it. <laughs> yeah. Unless you were me you know, as a kid, you know, luckily I went to jazz, you know, went to school for jazz because I damn sure couldn't keep track of where my capo ever was. So I had to play <laughs> a lot of these songs, you know. Sand Capo, just out of necessity. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Yeah, so you're getting ready to say another fiddle tune there before I cut you off. Yeah, there, um, there's one called um, Tamlin. I think it, I think it has another name, maybe called the Glasgow Reel. Like a really cool Irish tune uh, that uh, used to be played in the in the McGraw Gap days back uh, back in the day. Nice man. And then yeah. the uh, then the last question, as it is mandolins and beer, do you have a uh, do you have a favorite beer or a beer you recommend? You know, if you can if you can get out there and support whatever local brewery you happen to enjoy the most right now you doing that myself uh i don't know why. i've just been drinking a lot of modellos lately. <laughs> yeah that's yeah, all right man yeah you know there's been, there's been a lot more grilling and taco action but uh you know you can and you can buy you know you can buy cases of those things and not have to go to the store like for a long time <laughs> yeah yeah just go to the gas station get a case of modello yeah Golden. Yeah, so, so you know, there's there's some balance between probably supporting your your local craft beer person, and then you know just find something that keeps you away from people as well. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> once once it's safe again, hit those local breweries. But in the meantime, yeah, yeah. Do you have a favorite? Yeah, do you have a favorite local brewery there in Virginia that you like to go to? I man, I love uh, this, um I can only think of the beer right now. It's uh, where it's um, Triple Crossing is the name of the brewery. It's pretty close to me uh, where I live here. I can ride bikes there, and nice. um, they make a a great IPA called Falcon Smash. Um, they've got a really great brewery that's doing um a lot of good music stuff here in town too, called Hardywood. Um, we play there a couple times and doing some good stuff to the community. Yeah, yeah. Man. Uh, craft breweries and, and acoustic style and bluegrass style music uh, just seem like a natural pairing, man. <laughs> man, it's, I think it's where if you're a musician, you just get really into hot water pretty quick with some of those higher <laughs> yeah. octane. Yeah. So it's like you gotta kind of pour a Coors Light in the cup and just pretend like you're hanging with everybody else. Sometimes, man. <laughs> <laughs> I've definitely found myself in that them once or twice where I've had to either hit Uber up on my phone or holler at my wife like, "Hey, uh, 
what do you do in the next 45 minutes? <laughs> you <wanna> come, <laughs> come, come pick me up? <laughs> yeah, it happened again. Yeah, it happened again. Oh, yeah, I got it. I'll ask percentages next time. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Things add up like yeah. Oh, yeah, dude, they add up <laughs> real quick. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time to carve this out today. And, and um, even I know even though our schedules are pretty open, um, I still really, really appreciate you taking the time to do the podcast, man. It's really, yeah. really appreciate it. Next time you're in Charleston, I'd love to uh, buy you one of those beers. Oh, absolutely, man. We'll do it after the show. And, uh... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. Can't wait till next time. Same here. All right. Thanks again to Jared for doing the podcast. And as promised at the beginning of the podcast, here is Nate Lee's newest single off of his brand new album coming out here in June. This song is Rook Roller. Cheers, everybody. Mm-hmm. 